Well, welcome back to the fifth week of our sermon series, The Seven Deadly Sins. And as we talk about the topic of gluttony today, I would just like to start off by saying, isn't food good? Can I get an amen to that? Isn't food good? Food, okay, there it is. There's the amen. Food is so good. Uh, Think about it. You think of the smell of steaks on the grill, the warm ooey gooey cheese on top of a pizza, a dark red glass of wine, the smell of freshly baked chocolate chip cookies, spicy samosas with that green tangy sauce next to it, and gravy poured on top of melted cheese curds on top of french fries. Food is so good. And God could have made eating just some boring process. He could have given us some bland paste that we would need to eat every single day just to get nutrition and calories. Um, But instead, God gives us a tongue with 10,000 different taste buds. 10,000 taste buds to enjoy so many different foods. Uh, I heard recently that the average grocery store sells around uh, 38,000 different products. That means when you step into a grocery store, you have uh, 38,000 different foods that you could eat to make so many different meals and to enjoy. If you want to know that God loves the people that he created, well, look no farther than your tongue. But food doesn't just taste good. It also smells good. And it also has communal benefits. It has a way of bringing people together. That's why whenever you have a party or get together over at your house, the first thing you always have to talk about, well, what are we going to serve? What what food are we going to have there? What drinks are we going to have? And my guess is, if you think about it, some of the best conversations that you've ever had probably happened over a meal because that's that's what food does. It brings people together. Um, If there are any single guys out there today, I have some some dating advice for you. Uh, I've heard that the, the formula for a good date is an activity plus a consumption. Meaning, if you want a girl to actually like you, if you go to the movies together, make sure you also buy the buttery popcorn. Or if you go to a Blue Jays game together, uh, make sure you also buy the overpriced nachos. Because food has a way of bringing people together. Um, Food is so good. It tastes good. It smells good. It brings people together. That's why we have so many different donuts and fresh fruits after church, because we want people to be brought together. But for all these good benefits of food, um, I think you also know that God gives us a good gift, but as sinful humans, we have a way of abusing any good gift that God gives us. So that's why today we need to talk about the sin of gluttony. And to be honest, as we start off with talking about this, this sin, this was the one that I was most nervous about preaching on. You might think seven deadly sins, maybe like lust or greed, that's the hard to talk to a church about sex and money. But really, uh, gluttony is the one I'm most concerned about. And that's because I know what an emotional topic this is. Uh, maybe when you heard that we we're going to talk about gluttony, you had some emotions come back to your mind um, as how you failed to follow these rules that God gives us. Maybe you remember some of the cruel names that children called you in grade school because you were overweight. Uh, Maybe some of you hate your body right now and how it looks. Um, But I think you understand, though, that this is something that we're struggling with. This is something that we need to talk about. Where does the life of a Christian line up with food and dieting and counting calories? How does that all line up together? Well, that's why we need to talk today about gluttony. 
So we're going to use the same outline that we've been using throughout this series. Um, what is it? Why is it deadly? And what is the cure? We're going to get a definition of what gluttony really is. Um, and then we're going to talk about how damaging it is to your life if you let it spiral out of control. And then in point three, we're going to find out that Jesus is the only cure to this sin. Um, so first, what is gluttony? The definition I want you to have today, point number one, um, if you're taking notes, point number one, gluttony is food worship. Gluttony is turning to food instead of Jesus. Gluttony is putting food up higher than you of worshiping God. That's what gluttony is. Um, I know a lot of you, um, when you thought about gluttony, you probably just thought of just eating too much, right? You think of someone who has, who eats too much and is out of weight, out of shape. Um, but I think uh, food worship goes a little deeper than that. Food worship is something that every single person can struggle with, um, no matter how much you weigh, whether it's turning to junk food or healthy food. Um, each of us are guilty in some way of turning to food instead of God. And some of the, the theologians that uh, dealt with the seven deadly sins, they got real technical with it. Uh, most notably, Thomas Aquinas. He came up and he gave, uh, broke gluttony down into four parts. And this is how he broke it down. He said that gluttony, um, definition number one, is overeating, the one that we think of. Um, but then, point number two, only eating the nicest and richest food. So the idea of kind of being a food snob, that's, that's what he's condemning here. Uh, point number three, eating at the inappropriate time. Apparently they thought snacking was sinful back then, um, th but I guess the d idea was that you have breakfast, lunch, dinner, and if you're eating at not during those times, you're being lazy because you should be working or something instead. Um, and then point number four, eating too eagerly, basically being too excited um, about food. Um, but the interesting thing is, um, this is nice and broken down into four categories, but when you look in the Bible, you can't exactly find these definitions of gluttony. It was really hard. This last week I was looking at gluttony in the Bible, and there's a couple passages in Proverbs talking about how gluttony is not a wise way to live. But really, I couldn't find any passages that simply condemned um, just overeating. Just overeating. Um, so with that said, uh, there are actually some places in the Bible that actually encourage occasional feasting. Um, it's okay to have a feast once in a while. Um, think about it. I remember Jesus' parable of the prodigal son where his son sinned and he left the house, but then his father called him back home and welcomed him with a warm embrace. And then what'd they do? They had a big feast. He slaughtered a cow and had everyone celebrate. And there are other feasts in the Old Testament as well where God required their, his people to make an animal sacrifice but then afterwards, he said, you can enjoy it. You can eat it together. Food is okay. Um, so when you think about that, you know, a couple weeks ago, we had our soccer camp. And on Friday night, we had a big feast. And there were a lot of food there. And I had like two plates of food. So was that sinful? Was that sinful of me to eat two plates of food when I probably could have been okay just with one? And I don't, I don't think so. I don't think that's what the Bible's really pointing at here. Um, but really, the Bible does make it clear that we are to honor God above everything else and we are to take care of our bodies so that we can honor God as well. That's very clear. So that's, instead of looking at that, um, the definition of food worship that I want you to have is choosing food over Jesus. It's any time um, when God wants to uh, have, be the number one spot in your heart, but instead you put food there instead. And in our first lesson today, we saw a group of people 
turning to food instead of God. And that was the Israelites wandering around in the desert, um, complaining about the food that they were eating. So these were people who were in slavery in Egypt, but God freed them from that. And he daily provided for them every single day by raining down bread from the sky called manna that they could eat every single morning. And you might think, wow, they should just be so thankful to God for providing for them this way and for freeing them from slavery. But instead, this is what they're sounding like. They're saying, ugh, wasn't slavery so good? I miss slavery. You know why I miss slavery? Because they had cucumbers there and melons and fish. And God gives us food every single day, but I don't care about that because it's getting boring. And they started this chant saying, we want meat, we want meat. And Moses heard that and he told God, and God said, all right, I'll give you meat. But what happened? He gave them quail, but he also sent a plague to kill all the people who were complaining. And I've, parents, I think this is a good story to tell your children if they're ever being fussy about what, uh, what they want to eat. Um, just kidding. But you see here how they were turning to food instead of Jesus. Uh, God saved them, but they said, that doesn't matter. We want food. God provided for them every single day, and they said, that doesn't matter. We want better food. They are turning to food instead of Jesus. And as we open up our Bibles today, um, we're going to see another story. Um, maybe you've heard the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. If you're newer to the church or um, you've been here a long time, my guess is you've probably heard of this story before where Jesus was preaching to a large crowd of people, 5,000, and uh, it was getting late in the night and they were complaining about being hungry and Jesus miraculously with five loaves and two fish uh, provided food for 5,000 men. And that's just the men, so it's probably more to 10 to 12,000 people if you factor in all the women and children as well. Um, so, a big miracle. But we're going to look at the story right after that. How Jesus, he left that city where he was preaching to them and went to the other side of a lake. But what happened? The crowd followed him. They were fed by Jesus and they said, hey, we want to follow you. But Jesus pointed out to them that they were choosing food instead of Jesus. They didn't actually follow him for the right motivations. This is, this is what he said. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I had performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So this is Jesus the one who is offering a gift of eternal salvation and taking care of their spiritual needs. But they didn't care about that. They said, hey, where's that Jesus guy? He's the one that gives us bread. He's the one that fills our bellies. So they started turning to food instead of Jesus. And then Jesus offers them this advice. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So Jesus tells them, you're, you're worrying about what you're going to eat. But I'm telling you, you need to worry about something else. You need to be focused on eternal life. You're focused so much on what you're going to eat today, but I want to get your attention to eternal life. Um, you worry about food, um, which spoils. You think about that. They lived in a hot Mediterranean climate. They didn't have refrigerators back then, and food would spoil very quickly. And they say, you're being more concerned about this food that spoils quickly um, instead of something that lasts forever, for eternity. 
And that's when the crowd asked him, what must we do to do the work of God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So he's pointing them in the right direction again. Their focus is on food, but he's saying you need to focus on believing in me because I'm the one who can give you eternity. You need to focus on eternal life more so than this physical life where you're so concerned about what you're going to eat today. Which leads to point number two. Food never fills a hungry heart. Food never fills a hungry heart. Each one of us has so many different cravings and desires. We crave to be loved, to be accepted, to have intimacy and security. These are desires that we have in our heart. Whatever we try and fill those desires with physical food, that will never work. Let me give you a couple examples of this. Um, Jenny had a rough day at work and she left work and walked out to the parking lot to her car and you know who was sitting shotgun in her car? Jesus. He wanted to talk to her. He wanted to hear about what was going on in her life. But before Jesus could get in a word, Jenny was already at the drive-thru and moments later had a mouthful of french fries. And then Jenny went home and you know who was there? Jesus. He wanted to talk to her. He wanted to calm her stressed out heart. But before he could get in a word, two other friends came. Jenny's friend Ben and his friend Jerry. And spoonful after spoonful, Jenny worshipped the God of food. She turned to food instead of Jesus. And this is something that I've struggled with in my life as well. Uh, so I'd like to tell you my story. Um, so I know you're thinking right now, hey, this guy up here, he's in prime physical physique. Um, I knew that's what you're thinking. But that wasn't the story my whole life. Um, up until about grade eight or uh, grade six, I was an overweight child. And to prove that to you, I want to show you this picture of me when I was overweight in grade six. I'm not going to show you that. You actually thought I was going to show you that? Um, so this is something that um, I struggled with. But around grade six, um, I got the idea in my head that I didn't want to be fat in high school. I didn't want to be made fun of, and I wanted girls to like me, uh, so I decided to get in shape. So I still remember those days. I had a jump rope, and I'd, went a, and I'd go in my basement, and I watched all five Rocky movies while jump roping, and uh, sooner or later, I got in shape. I got a little bit taller, got over some childhood asthma, and I got in decent shape. And got through high school. Um, and then I went to university in New Ulm, Minnesota, which was a town uh, known for its beers, brats, and heart disease. And uh, needless to say, uh, I gained the freshman 15. It happened. Um, but then afterwards, um, around junior year, um, I discovered that I liked jogging. And the reason why I found out that I liked jogging was because I was going through a breakup and had to handle the stress somehow. Um, and what happened was I started jogging five times a week. I lost 20 pounds, got in the best shape of my life. And to this day, um, I still kind of moderately work out and moderately watch what I eat. Um, but that's my story. But the reason why I wanted to tell you that story and the story about Jenny as well is because um, food is something that's so much deeper than just trying to fill uh, your hungry stomach. Oftentimes, there is something emotionally deeper going on, something spiritually or emotional deeper going on in your heart um, where we turn to food instead. 
Uh, food says to you that it's the answer. Food says, are you lonely? Try eating. Are you bored? Try eating. Are you sad? Try eating. But then, either way, on the flip side then, it also offers you the opposite advice. Do you want to be desired? Try eating less. Do you want to get compliments? Well, try eating less. Do you want to be loved? Try eating less. But do you notice how that never works? That never works. Whenever someone goes through a breakup, they always give the advice, oh, you should just sit down and eat a pint of ice cream. That's, that's breakup food. But uh, you have a girl who now doesn't have a boyfriend and she's lonely, but then she eats a pint of ice cream and she's lonely and doesn't have a boyfriend and now has a bloated gut. It, it doesn't work. Food doesn't work. It can, it, food is good, but it cannot be your God. Food is good, but it cannot be your God. We have so many deep desires in our heart that we want to be fulfilled, but sinful humans, we turn to something created instead of the creator to fulfill those desires. We think if we eat a lot of food, then I will finally be happy, but that doesn't work. We think if I lose weight, then people will love me more, but that doesn't work either. Food is good. Food is so good, but it can never be your God. And every time we choose food over Jesus, there are devastating consequences. And you might think the, the most notable consequence is, right, you might, you might gain some weight. But really, um, this is a form of idolatry. This is, turning to Jesus, or this is turning to food and putting Jesus lower than food. This is threatening to destroy your soul when you, put, when you worship something else besides God. That's why this is so damaging. That's why this is so damaging, because we are turning to something else besides God. But by the grace of God, there is a cure. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So Jesus pointed out to them that you're focusing too much on food. You are turning to food instead of Jesus. But I am the bread of life. I am the one who can fix those cravings in your heart. I'm the one who gives you eternal life. You struggle with gluttony, but you struggle with so many other sins as well. And eventually you're going to die. So whether you have six-pack abs or a big gut, you need to come to grips with the fact that one day you are going to die. And Jesus says you do not need to worry about that. Because I am the bread of life. I'm the one who can give you life eternal. We turn to bread for today, but Jesus is the one who gives life forever. When tempted in a desert by Satan, Satan tempted Jesus to turn bread into stones. But instead, Jesus resisted that temptation so he could live a perfect life for you. On the cross, Jesus went hungry and thirsty so that you and I will never be hungry and thirsty in heaven and we'll get an invitation to, the, to go to the heavenly feast. Jesus, the bread of life, died so that you and I can live forever. And that is the cure to gluttony. Point number three, your weight is not your worth. Your weight is not your worth. 
And I know at times this might be hard to believe because there's so often when you, you step on a scale and you see a number and sometimes that number makes you smile and other times that number makes you frown and you might think that's the, that's the thing that gives me significance in life. But it doesn't. God is the one who gives you your worth. Knowing that you are God's child is the one who gives you infinite worth. It comes from being his child. And I know you might push me back on this and say, but we live in a world that seems to praise physical fitness and look down upon people who are out of shape. But God is the one who gives you your worth. God is the one who removes all of your guilt. You might look down on that number on your scale. You might think that that number represents all the times where you've abused food. But Jesus is the one who forgives you your, your sins of gluttony. And when he sees you, he sees you as his perfect child. And that's the thing that gives you your worth. Your weight is not your worth. So you might struggle with this. This is so hard to talk about gluttony and body image. But you, even though you might not ever fit into those pants again, who cares? Your weight is not your worth. Jesus is the one who gives you your worth. And he's the one that allows you um, to give you the message um, that allows you to step away from gluttony. And he's such a good God too. He allows us to enjoy food. We are to eat to his glory. We are to look at food and say, thank you God for providing for me. Thank you for giving me something so delicious. And thank you for giving us this created thing. But let that created thing turn you to your creator. Don't stop at worshiping food. Worship the one who invented food. Don't let food be your God. Let it be good. And then, but then turn to God. Enjoy your food. Enjoy your food. But worship your God. Worship your God, the bread of life. So focus on the bigger things. Focus on eternal life like Jesus wanted you to. Jesus will, pre- pre- uh, will take care of any physical need that you have. Jesus will give you food to eat in this world. But focus on God who's going to give you eternal life. Jesus is the bread and life. So taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen.